Well, good morning. God bless you. It is a joy to be able to come and speak to you today via live stream. Coming today from the auditorium at the church, we're doing this because we've been having a few little problems with some of our broadcasts, and so we're doing it from here, and we want to make sure that we can get it out. And also, the other problem we've been having is getting some of the CDs copied and, and things like that, and we do have some people that do not have Facebook and so um, or computer access, so we've been uh, running CDs, or Wes and Kathy have been running CDs, and they've been taking them and d delivering them to people and trading people out. And, in fact, the other day, somebody sent me a text, and they outlined the message in the text uh, from a CD, and it was kind of cool. So, But we're coming to you from the auditorium today. No, we are not open for services yet. I know people are asking, what's going on? What are we going to do? Things like that. And uh, But we are not open yet, and uh, we are, are, are not going to open until we know for sure that uh, we can. Um, basically, there are several things in play, just to let you know if you're wondering what things we're looking at or that I specifically am looking at, I will tell you we're looking at, number one, the safety of our people. Uh, that is utmost above everything. Can we be, can we, uh, you know, I don't want to say can we be 100% sure, but I want to say the main thing we want to focus on is the safety of our church family when we start meeting together and people coming to church here. So we want to focus on that. Then number two, we want to go by guidelines, CDC and city and state guidelines. I realize that many places in the state have opened, and uh, but, you know, and uh, not many, but some places in the state have. Some counties are being able to open certain things. Here in the city of Nashville, they've extended the order for, uh, I believe it's through the 8th, and so we'll see what happens. At that point, we'll see the guidelines they pass out and things like that. But again, we're going to go by safety. Uh, we are in the process, just to let you know, we are looking for some things to purchase for the building to make things better. And so we are, are looking at some things, you know, some um, different types of uh, janitorial things. Um, we have already been cleaning the building. The building has been cleaned, uh, sanitized several times. It's probably one of the cleanest places in town, um, sanitize-wise, you know. And, and, uh, but, um, but what we've done is uh, we've started looking for other things we can buy, and some of the things we're buying, we're trying to buy, you know, like some disposable face masks. If somebody shows up for church and they don't have one, we'll have some of those here and things like that. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to go to touchless things, you know, like in the restrooms, uh, you know, where the soap is not, you know, you don't have to push the plunger, things like that. That's what we're trying to do. And we may not get it all done by then, but that's our aim, and so we are in the process of trying to purchase uh, we have looked at some websites and some things are like September before we can get them, but we are working to try to find other sources and we are working on that. And in fact, last night I was looking at some things and so be in prayer about that. But the main thing we're concerned about is safety and then we're going to be looking at the guidelines that are out. We're going to be looking at what are the orders for the city of Nashville. But then the other thing we're concerned about, just to let you know, is the testimony in front of the lost. We want to make sure we have the right kind of testimony in front of lost people. And this, to me, is not about, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's more than just are we following guidelines and things like that. It's about we want to be the right kind of people in this day and age. And so I hope that's your goal, too. So, but, Lord willing, we will reopen in the days ahead. But until then, we're going to do the face. Uh, we're going to do the live stream Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I know some churches are only doing Sunday morning, but we're going to do all three. And so we're going to go ahead and pray this morning. And as you pray, pray that the Lord will deliver us from this illness. Pray that God will bless our church family. Pray that the Lord will bless all those that are watching. And uh, pray that God will just 
um, really do something great. I'm praying for revival in the midst of this all. I'm praying that the Lord will really work. But we're going to do something special today. I'm going to pray. Then Brother Wes is going to sing for you. He's going to sing. And then I'm going to preach. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. And Father, I just pray that you bless now today. Thank you for all you have done for us. And Father, now I thank you for the ability to be able to speak over the live stream. And I do pray that people will be touched by the message today. I pray they would be encouraged by the message from the Word of God. And I do pray that the Holy Spirit of God would just work. And Father, I pray that you'd open the windows of heaven and pour out your Spirit now. Father, for those that are sick, I pray you'd heal them. Take this wicked disease and virus away. I pray you give our leaders wisdom. I pray you bless the nation of Israel today. I pray you bless our missionaries. Father, just do a work and thank you for all you have done. Now, Father, bless our time together. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, God bless you this morning. As I said, Brother West is going to sing for you. And uh, the uh, we've got a surprise for you this morning. So, Brother West, come on. Every time 
Amen. Amen. We appreciate that this morning, and I was glad Brother West could sing for you today, and do pray that the Lord will bless you, and uh, that you'll be encouraged by all that's said and done, and and uh, I um, I just pray that the, that the song was a blessing to you this morning. I'm going to get you to take your Bible this morning, if you have it, your Bible, and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 14. The book of Acts, chapter 14. If you don't have your Bible, open your iPad or your phone or uh, your smartphone and go to Acts chapter 14, if you would, please. I'm going to read three passages of Scripture. Don't worry, they're all together. One's in Acts 14, one's in Acts 15, and then one's in Acts chapter 16. We're going to read them together and look at them there, and, and uh, we're going to uh, see what the Word of God has to say to us. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, I hope today this will be a message that encourages your heart, that, that just thrills your heart today, that encourages you, that helps you out. Uh, especially as you're going through tough times. And because we're going to be talking about strength in the face of trouble. Strength in the face of trouble. That's the title of the message. Strength in the face of trouble. Look at Acts chapter 14, if you would please, and down to verse 19. Acts chapter 14 and verse 19. We're going to pick up in the middle of a passage, but I want you to see what he says there in verse 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit the disciples stood round about him, he rose up, excuse me, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas the Derby. Look at verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel of that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch. And Antioch, there is the Antioch in the Pisidia, not the uh, missionary church, the home base, but this is a different city of Antioch. But I want you to notice, these are places that the Apostle Paul had been run out of, and yet he's going back to them, and notice what he's doing in verse 22, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church, and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Now take your Bible and look at Acts chapter 15 and look at the last two verses of the chapter. Acts chapter 15 and the last two verses. Look down to verse 40. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, notice the word, confirming the churches. Confirming the churches. Go down now in chapter 16 and look at verse 4. Chapter 16 and look at verse 4. Notice it says, And they went through the cities, they delivered them to decrees for to keep, that were ordained to the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches, notice the word, established in the faith and increased in number daily. Increased in number daily. Today I want to talk to you about strength in the face of trouble. Strength in the face of trouble. Now, let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Bless the word of God. Give us what we need. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to say three things by way of introduction, and the third thing is going to be one of our points that we're going to make today. But there are three things I want to say by way of introduction. Number one, being saved is the greatest thing in the world. Now, I say that a lot around here. If, if you've been around Whitley or been around our church and around me, you hear me say that a lot. But being saved is the greatest thing in the world. Now, let me explain here. By saved, I'm referring to being born again. I'm referring to receiving Jesus as one Savior. I'm referring to 
becoming a Christian. That's what I'm referring to when I talk about being saved. Now, let me also add right here, when I talk about being saved, I'm not talking about just being a church member. Church membership does not save you. Now, yes, I believe every child of God ought to be a member of a church. And I don't believe just have your name on a roll. I believe you ought to be a faithful member of a church. Now, if you're there at home, go ahead and say amen. Amen, okay? And so, but I believe you ought to be a faithful member of the church, but church membership won't save. Uh, let me also say this. Being saved is not being baptized. I know some people teach that in order to be saved, you got to be baptized. No, you know, you can be baptized in every church in town, still die and go to hell. That will not save you. But baptism is a step after salvation, showing people that you are saved, a step of identification. Then let me also say this, being saved is just not being a good person. I know a lot of people today, they say, well, Brother Scott, I'm a good person. Well, great, I'm glad you are. I'm glad you treat your family right. I'm glad you're honest with people. But you know what? That will not save you. That will not save you. All of us are sinners who need a Savior. But then, let me just say this also, being saved is not just saying a prayer. Well, Brother Scott, I prayed a prayer years ago. Well, folks, I'm glad you did. But let me tell you, being saved is more than saying a prayer. You say, then what is salvation? What is it? Well, salvation is when the Holy Spirit of God shows you by conviction of your need of Jesus because you are a sinner. You need Jesus. And then you respond in repentance and faith by making Jesus your Savior. You respond with repentance and faith. Uh, repentance and faith. But again, being saved is the greatest thing in the world. It's the greatest thing in the world. Let me say number two, second thing by way of introduction. Second thing, there are many benefits and blessings to being saved, to being a Christian. There are many benefits and blessings to being saved. Now think about that for a minute. I thought about some of the blessings of being saved, of being a Christian. You know what they are? I put some things down here. Number one is eternal life. You know, one of the things I have one of these days, I, I got eternal life the day I got saved, according to John 3, 16, John 3, 36, John 5, 24, 1 John 5, 12 through 13, John 20, 30 through 31. I mean, eternal life. Number two, I got a heavenly home, a heavenly home. One of these days, I'm going to have a home in heaven. Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. He was talking about that heavenly home. Also talked about it in Hebrews 11, 16 and Revelation 21. We have a home ready for us one of these days. Number three, third benefit, third blessing is the indwelling Holy Spirit. The day a child, of, the day a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit of God indwells them. The Holy Spirit of God is there. He seals their salvation. He is there to come alongside to help you. He is there to be your help. He is there to teach you the things of God. And He is there to fill you for power. He's there to do that. We read that in John 14, John 15, Acts chapter 4, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 5, Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. We see it there. The indwelling Holy Spirit, one of the benefits of salvation. I put down again another benefit of the salvation is a friend that will always be there. My friend, the day you got saved, you got a friend who is never going to leave you. You know who that is? That's Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but some of you may have had some friends in life when things got tough, things got bad. Guess what? They disappeared. Guess, guess what? Jesus will never leave you. He will never leave you. You know, in John 15, 15, he called his disciples friends. And then Hebrews 13, 5, he will say, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And in Greek, I understand that's never, no, never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's always going to be there for you. He's always going to be by your side. He's always going to be there. You are never alone. Child of God, have you ever felt lonely? If you're saved, I know like you sometimes, I have felt lonely at times, but I'm telling you, you're really not alone. Why? The Lord is with you. 
He is with you. Then number five, I'll put down a fifth benefit, fifth blessing, and that is the believer is a child of God. The day a person gets saved, they become a child of God. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, them gave he power, the right of the authority, become the sons of God. You become a child of God the day you get saved. Thank God for that. And I love what he said in 1 John 3, 1. What manner of love that we should be called the sons of God or children of God. Folks, the day you got saved, you become a child of God. Hey, folks, that's just five of the benefits or blessings of being a Christian, of being saved. There are many benefits that come with being saved, many benefits. That brings me to the third thing by way of introduction. And here's a point we're going to go to today. Here's a point. And this is a key point in where we're going, the key point. Being saved, think about this now, being saved does not exempt one from the troubles of life. Think about that. Being saved does not exempt a Christian from the troubles in life or troubles in life. What am I saying? Folks, just because you're saved, just because you may be a Christian, does not exempt you from trouble. It doesn't exempt you from trials. It doesn't exempt you from tribulation. It doesn't exempt you from hardship. It doesn't exempt you from adversity. It doesn't exempt you from affliction. It doesn't exempt you from persecution. We can go on and on and on. Some say, wait a minute, bro, Scott, there are some people out there that are teaching. It's not God's will for you to suffer if you're a Christian. Well, can I be kind and honest about that? That's opposite of what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible teaches. I know there are people out there that teach God's will for you to be healthy. I know there are people out there that teaches God's will for you to be wealthy, you know, to have everything you desire from God. You know, they, they treat God like a big uh, benevolent grandfather up in the sky. And But folks, Scripture teaches and shows us different than that. It shows us different than that. In fact, look down in verse 22 of Acts chapter 14 and notice what the Bible says. Acts 22 there. And notice what he said. He said this, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Did you catch that last line? That we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Into the kingdom of God. Much tribulation. You and I are going to go through struggles. You and I are going to have affliction. You and I are going to have troubles. Jesus himself in John chapter 16 and verse 33 said this, These things have been spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Did you hear that? Jesus said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, you're going to have trouble, you're going to have affliction. By the way, the same word tribulation that Jesus used in John chapter 16 is the same word in Acts chapter 14 and verse 22. If you look it up in Greek, it's the same exact Greek word. The same exact Greek word. They're saying the same thing. So you have the missionary team telling these disciples that they're going to face tribulation and trouble and affliction. You have Jesus saying, hey, in the world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have these times of difficulty. I preached the other week on 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. We're going to have times of difficulty and danger like we have right now. We're going to have these. Now, what you, what you need to understand is in the passage, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas are telling these believers that. But notice, they have an example standing right in front of them, and they know this. They know this. The example standing in front of them in verse 22 is the Apostle Paul. 
You say, how do you know that? Well, did you read, did you catch what we read in verses 19 and 20? Notice what he said there. And there came thither Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, threw him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Then in verse 20, Paul gets up and walks back into the city. You say, what happened? Paul got stoned. I don't know about you, but that's pretty strong trouble, wouldn't you say? That's pretty strong uh, affliction right there. I don't know about you, but I've been hit with a rock or two in my life, not because I'm a Christian, just being stupid with friends when I was younger. But let me tell you something. Uh, it doesn't feel real good. It doesn't feel good at all. Can you imagine being stoned? And, and in that day and age, they used stoning as a means of execution, a means of killing somebody. Now think about that. They stoned Paul and drug him out of the city. He was an example of somebody that faced tribulation. In fact, it was persecution. You know, there's another example in the book of Acts. I, I, and I, I thought about this, and boy, this is so good. Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 7 and verse 9. Acts chapter 7 and verse 9, we're told about Joseph. Now, if you've read the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis, you know this is true. Acts chapter 7 and verse 9, it says, And the patriarchs, moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. Notice that, Joseph. But look at verse 10 now. And delivered him out of all his afflictions. Joseph faced afflictions. By the way, would you like to guess what word affliction is in Greek? Now, I know we can't read Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can look things up. Do you know that the word afflictions there is the same Greek word as tribulation in Acts 14, 22, and the same Greek word that Jesus used in John chapter 16 and verse 33? It's the same Greek word, flipsis. And it's the same Greek word, folks. Same word, which means, hey, there's going to be trouble. Go back and read Genesis 37 through 50, and you'll see the story of Joseph. But understand what you and I need to understand is that we will face trials in life. We will face tribulation in life. We will face hardship. We are going to face times of, of adversity and affliction and things like that. Now, let me take your attention back to Acts 14, because that's where I want to go. Now, hang on to that. You say, Bro Scott, I came to get encouraged today, not discouraged. Well, hang on. i got to give you a little bit of bad news so I can give you the good news. Okay? So hang on right there. And so, but Acts chapter 14 is where I want you to draw your attention. And I want to draw it back to verses 21 and 22. And I want to read those two verses again with you. And then I want to make three observations real quick. Three quick observations. So notice what it says, verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel of that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Let me make three observations right here. Number one, observation number one. Churches, preachers, pastors, and teachers need to preach and teach the Word of God and the truths therein. You say, boy, that's a big observation. Yes, well, let me say it again. Churches, preachers, pastors, and teachers, four things, need to preach and teach the Word of God and the truths therein. Folks, we need to be preaching the Bible, we need to be preaching the Word of God, and we need to preach the truths found in the Bible, the Word of God. What we need to do in our churches and as pastors and preachers and teachers, we need to open the Bible, preach it, and teach it. That's what we need to do. Open it, preach it, and teach it. And we need to get believers into the Word of God. That's what we need to do. Get them into the Word of God. 
We need, and when we open the Bible, we need to teach the truths of the Bible. I got to thinking about this. One of the things we need to teach, we need to teach about God in our day and age. We need to teach people the truth about God. Why? There are many views of God out in the world today. Everybody has their view of God. And one of the things that's going on today is people have their personal view of God instead of a Bible view of God. And we need to get people into the Bible and show them what the Bible says about God. You know, about how there's only one true God. How our God is a triune God. How our God is a holy God. How our God is a just God. How our God is a loving God. And how all those things work together. And how God will judge sin, but at the same time He loves mankind and provide a way of salvation for mankind. But still, He's got to be just and He's got to judge. And people don't understand that. And then we talk about the goodness of God. And how does the goodness of God play into that? Folks, we need to teach the Word of God. So that one's aimed at me and aimed at our church here and aimed at all of our teachers here. We need to teach and preach the Word of God and get it to people. That's what we need to do. We need to do that. Number two, the second observation I see here. Second observation. And by the way, that's what the missionary team was doing. The missionary team was teaching people the Word of God. And that's what we see here. They, they preached the gospel. Once they got saved, they taught them the Word of God. Number two, second thing. Second thing, believers, I'm talking about Christians slash saved people, believers need to grow in their knowledge of the Word of God and of God and the truths of God. Believers need to grow in their knowledge of the Word of God and the truths of God. Understand that. They need to grow in that. Folks, people need to grow. Every child of God, every believer, everybody who is saved needs to be growing in the knowledge of the Bible, and you need to be growing in the knowledge of the truths of God found in the Bible. You need to be growing in that. Verses 21 and 22. These believers were taught, being taught the truths of God. They were being taught what was being, they were being taught the truths of God. And believers were to learn those truths. They were to learn those truths. You know, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Growing grace and in the knowledge. Folks, we don't need to be like the church at Corinth. church at Corinth is a problem-plagued church. It was an immature church. Why? Because they had been saved for years, and yet they were still babes. They had not grown as believers. That doesn't need to be you and me. You and I need to grow in our faith, and we need to grow in our knowledge of the Bible. We need to grow in our knowledge of the truths of God. Grow in our knowledge of the Bible and the truths of God. We need to learn the Bible and its truths. And how do we do that? We do it through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Number one, the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Now, I know some people, they say, well, Brother Scott, I don't need the church. Yes, you do. God's design is for every Christian to be part of a church. And one of the reasons is so they can go and they can be instructed in the truths of God. Acts chapter 2. There, the believers got saved on the day of Pentecost. There was approximately 3,000 in verse 41. And then that... Uh, you see that in verses 37 through 41, about 3,000 got saved and baptized. They became part of that church. And then we see in verse 42, and it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. You know what that means? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' instruction. They were being instructed in the truths of God. They were being instructed in the things of God. And folks, that's one of the reasons we go to church, is to gain instruction in the things of God and the truths of God. That's why we go. But so we get it, number one, through the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. But then we get it, number two, through personal reading and study. One of the things you don't need to do 
is just go to church and hear the sermon once a week or twice a week or three times a week. When you go home, you need to read the Bible for yourself. You need to study the Bible for yourself. Study the Bible for yourself. You need to do that. You need to get into the pages, read what it says, compare Scripture with Scripture, and see what the Bible says. See what it says. Well, Brother Scott, I can't understand the Bible. Are you saved? Are you saved? You say yes. Then you can understand the Bible. You say how? You have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. All you've got to do is open the Bible and say, Holy Spirit, teach me, and start reading. You say, well, Brother Scott, some of it's hard to understand. Yes, some of it is. But as you grow, it will open up to you. It's kind of like this. When you had a child, a baby, does a baby understand things after it's born? No. Can a baby read things after it's born? No, they've got to be taught and they've got to grow. And as they grow, they learn and understand. It's the same way with a Christian. When you get saved, you're a baby Christian. You start growing in your faith. And the more you grow and the more you get into the Word of God, the more you understand. So it's through personal reading and study. So number one, you know, if you don't have a church home, you need to get into church, a church that preaches and teaches the Bible, that believes the Bible is the Word of God, give you an opportunity to serve God. You need to get in there and join that church, become part of that church, and soak up what's there. You know, I got to thinking about this several uh, while back, and, and I, you know, I don't know how many of you ever once in a while I wish you could go back in time a little bit. And if you could go back, you'd change some things a little bit. One of the things, if I could go back a little bit, I'd change is I grew up in a church. Well, I didn't grow up. I started attending church as a bus kid at age eight. Now, so, uh, you know, I and, and by the way, I love the bus ministry. I really do. I love the bus ministry or van ministry or whatever you want to call it because I'm a product of it. I started riding a Sunday school bus at age eight. And then a Christian school. I'm a, I'm a fan of Christian schools. My parents put me in a Christian school in the fifth grade. And um, But if I could go back from those years that I started attending that church and I could go back and do it all over again, I would listen closer to everything Brother Fleming said. Brother Fleming was our pastor. He was a man who opened the Bible. He taught the Word of God. He gave Sunday school outlines out that would blow your mind. I've got some from way back when in the 70s. And uh, I'll tell you, didn't realize what I had. Didn't realize what I had until now it's too late. But Brother Fleming was a preacher of the Word of God, a preacher. Man, he could preach. If I could go back, I'd do it. Folks, let me encourage you. Take advantage. If you've got a church and you've got a preacher that teaches the Bible, you ought to make it, take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. And then get into the Bible itself and study the Bible and open it up and read what it says. Folks, we need to grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and the truths of God. We need to be growing. So number one, churches, preachers, teachers, missionaries, whoever they are, need to be preaching and teaching the Word to people, teaching people the truths of God. Then number two, believers need to be growing in their knowledge of the Word of God and of the truths of God. And then number three, we need strength to face the trials and troubles of life. Strength to face the trials and troubles of life. Think about that. We need that strength if we're going to face the trials and troubles of life. That's the third observation here. Third thing I see here. You know what the missionary team is doing, Barnabas and Saul? You know what they're doing here in Acts 14 and 15? I mean, in Acts 14, and then in Acts 15 and 16, it's Paul and Silas. There's a change that takes place in, the, in chapter 15. But what we see here is the missionary team is doing their best to teach and give these people what they need in the face of tribulation. They're doing their best. By the way, the, the word confirming there, the word confirming, some people translate that strengthening the souls of the disciples. 
And you go over to Acts chapter 15 and verse 41, he says, confirming the churches. Same word, strengthening. You go to Acts chapter 16 and verse 5, and so were the churches established in the faith. You know what's going on? Paul, the missionary teams were out trying to give people what they needed to live the Christian life, to follow Christ, and to stand in the midst of this adversity. That's what they were doing. Now, the question isn't that we will face adversity, but how can we stand? Well, one thing I want to say before I answer that real quick, and I'm going to answer that very quickly here. But understand, folks, trouble will come. You and I need to realize that. We are going to face problems in life. We're going to face troubles in life. Again, we are not exempt. I've already made that point. We are not exempt. The missionaries are letting them know in verse 22 that trouble is going to come their way. He said, and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. He said, there's going to be tribulation. There's going to be troubles. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be affliction. Now, part of the reference here, I believe, is the persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 1 Peter 4 and verse 12 says, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. But see, that's not the issue. But we need to realize that. There will be problems. There will be trials. There will be tribulation. But the question is, how do we have strength to face it? How do we have strength to face it? Well, let me give you some things real quick, and I'm going to be done. Some things real fast, and I'll be done. How can we face the trials, tribulations, and afflictions of life? How can we face it? Well, let me give you some things based on the passage here. Number one, be saved. Be saved. Somebody's going to say, Brother Scott, you always say that. Yes, and I probably always will. The first thing you need to get right is you need to be saved. You need to be saved. And I say that because in our passage here, they are dealing with people that have already accepted Jesus as their Savior. And so the first thing, if you want to be strong, to be able to overcome and to win the battle against the tribulations and the struggles and the problems that come in life, you need to know Christ as your Savior. Can I ask you, do you know Jesus? Has there been that time when the Spirit of God showed you your need of Christ and you accepted Him? So number one, you need to be saved. Number two, and I'm going to take off of that just for a minute, and I'm going to add to that. Number two, the second thing here, be sure of your salvation. Be sure of it. Now, the passage doesn't talk about it, but I want to talk from personal experience and say a couple things. Personal experience, say a couple things. Be sure of your salvation. Now, why do I say that? Because there are numbers of people that struggle with whether they are saved or not. They wonder, am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I a child of God? Am I not a child of God? Have I truly been born again? Have I not? Somebody might say to me, Brother Scott, you know, I am not sure that I am saved. What do I do? What do I do? I'm not sure I'm saved. Well, let me tell you. I cannot tell you whether you are saved or not. Only you can know that. Only you can know it. But I will say I can ask you some questions. Has there been that time where you've accepted Christ? Do you have a desire for the things of God? Do you have the marks of a Christian found in 1 John? And then are you trusting in Jesus or in something you've done? I'm not saying are you trusting in a prayer you pray. Are you trusting in Jesus? You know, it's faith in Jesus as your Savior? Are you looking to Jesus as your only Savior? That's what you need to be looking at. You know, some people say, well, I'm saved because I got baptized. No, you're trusting in the baptismal water. Are you saved? You're saved because you're looking at Jesus Christ. You say, what do I do, Brother Scott, to find out? Well, read the book of John and the book of 1 John. Read that. Read it through and let the Spirit of God deal with your heart and pray and ask God to show you whether you're saved or not. And if you're not sure, get it settled. Make Jesus your Savior. Number two, number three, grow in your faith. 
I've already made mention of this. You and I need to be growing in the Word of God and in the truths of God. Hey, if you're a Christian, you need to learn the truths of Christianity. You need to learn the truths of God found in the Bible. You need to be growing in your faith. Now, how do you grow in your faith? How do you grow in your faith? I've already given you a couple of them. There are three avenues of growth as a Christian. Three avenues of growth. What are they? Church, the Word, and prayer. Three avenues. Church, Word, and prayer. You go to the church to gain instruction. You get into the Word of God. Hopefully the church gives you the Word of God. Then you get into the Word of God yourself. And then prayer. See, what did Jesus say in the Garden of Gethsemane? Pray that you enter not into temptation, Matthew 26, 41. And then number three, four, learn the Word of God. You know what's going on here in our passage in Acts 14? They are teaching them the Word of God. You want to be strong? You need to get in the Word of God. The Word of God is how you grow, according to 1 Peter 2, 2. You get into the Word of God so you can grow and so you can be strong. See, what you and I need is we need a steady diet of the Word of God. This is our spiritual food. Now, I don't know about you, but what will happen today is at some point today, I will have lunch. I haven't had anything to eat this morning. It's kind of a Sunday morning ritual for me that I do not eat before I preach and teach on Sunday morning. I don't do it. I drink two cups of coffee, and that's it. And I get up, and uh, well, I drink a little bit of water, and then I take drink two cups of coffee, and then I come to church. Don't eat anything. and then. But you know what's going to happen in a little bit? Lord willing, I'm going to eat lunch. But now let's say I quit eat, that I decided I wasn't going to eat lunch today, and I wasn't going to eat supper tonight. I wasn't going to eat anything the rest of the day. I get up tomorrow. I don't eat breakfast. I don't eat lunch. I don't eat supper. I get up Tuesday and don't do the same thing. I get up Wednesday and don't do the same thing. What's going to happen? Somebody's going to say, well, Brother Scott, you know that diet you've been trying? It's going to help. Yeah, that's right. I'll be losing some weight. But you know what else is going to happen? I'm going to be losing some strength. I'm going to be losing some strength. And eventually, if I quit eating, you know what's going to happen to me? I'm going to die. I've read of people going on hunger strikes. They quit eating. They get emaciated. And then what happens? They go out into eternity. They pass away. My friends, in order to keep my strength up and in order to go strong, guess what? I've got to eat. And in order for you as a Christian to go strong, you need a diet of the Word of God. You need to get into the Word. I'm not saying cut back on the Bible. I'm saying get into the Bible. Study it. Read it. Listen to it preached. You want to become strong to face the issues of life, to face the problems of life, face the time we're in right now? Get into the Bible. Read the Bible. Pray over it. See what it says to you. Memorize the scriptures in it. You know, and think about all the things that are there. I know it's easy to get sidetracked. I know it's easy not to read and things like that. But I would encourage you to have a daily time where you get alone. You shut everything in the world out and you get alone. Find a special place where it's just you, God, and the Bible. And you pray and you read. And you get in so you can grow strong. Why? Because we need to be able to have the strength to overcome the trials and troubles of life. We have an example in our passage. Paul faced all kinds of troubles. But you know what? He kept going and going and going and going and going. He kept going and going. Going and going. Folks, you want to be strong? Get into the Word. That's what we need today. Strength, being taught the Word, learning the Word, so that we can 
go through the tribulations that come our way. My friend, let me ask you, are you saved? Do you know Christ? If not, why don't you make Him your Savior today? Child of God, are you growing in the Word? Get in it. Get in it so you can grow strong. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for today. We thank You for Your goodness. Father, we pray You bless our time in the Word of God. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit would move. I pray the Holy Spirit would guide. And Father, I pray that You would just get glory out of all that's said and done today. Open the windows of heaven. Pour out Your Spirit on us. Bless our families. Bless each one who will hear this message for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You have a wonderful day.